Have mercy on me, O God, according to your unfailing love. According to your great compassion, blot out my transgressions. Wash away all my iniquity and cleanse me from my sin. For I know my transgressions and my sin is always before me. Against you, you only have I sinned and done what is evil in your sight. So you are right in your verdict and justified when you judge. Surely I was sinful at birth, sinful from the time my mother conceived me. Yet you desired faithfulness even in the womb. You taught me wisdom in that secret place. Cleanse me with hyssop and I shall be clean. Wash me and I shall be whiter than snow. Let me hear joy and gladness. Let the bones you have crushed rejoice. Hide your face from my sins and blot out all my iniquity. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit within me. Do not cast me from your presence or take your Holy Spirit from me. Restore to me the joy of your salvation and grant me a willing spirit to sustain me. And the second reading is from the book of Matthew, chapter 5, verse 6. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the pure in heart. We're over halfway through our sermon series uh, on the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus teaching on the Beatitudes, the beautiful attitudes of the kingdom of God. And as we've shown before, um, it's about living right side up uh, in an upside down world. So what does it mean to have a pure heart? You've already met the person you're sitting next to now. Give them your best shot. Okay, so what do you think Jesus means, or just what is that phrase, a pure heart? What does it sort of connect with you in your minds? There's not, I was going to say there's not a right answer, but I'm going to try and give you a right answer later, but we'll see, we'll see, see what you think. Okay, some of you are looking very anxious again, I'll, I'll, I'll keep it going then. Uh, I'll back onto my meter again. So, synonyms, a synonym is a word that means the same as something else. So, a word that we might use instead of pure. And uh, I did a little bit of a word search uh, online and came up with the sort of closest, most frequently used words. And quite interesting. So, clean. But it's connected with unpolluted. So it's clean, not polluted. Um, it's solid. So if something's pure, it's fully that thing. It's solid. So it's not mixed. Uh, it may be honest. That was another connection. Unblended. It's the, the truth. Uh, innocent. 
Fun fact, it's not actually very fun, but in the Middle Ages, nocent was a word meaning sinful, and so we now have the word innocent. So if you read Paradise Lost, you'll find that uh, Milton quite likes using the word nocent, just showing off, and I guess I'm doing the same. So uh, innocent, but in unfiltered. No, it's not meant to be unfiltered. It's meant to be filtered, isn't it? Someone's changed my slide. Woo! So it filtered out. I won't blame Callum. I've no idea what's going on there. So filtered is the correct answer there. Um, so some of these words describe what the thing is, like clean, but others sort of hint at the process of getting like that. The process of being unblended or unmixed, filtering out. Out of interest, how many of you would now like that back door open to have a bit of a through draft? Let's do it. Let's do that. Someone be brave and open a door. <sighs> There's a brave man. It may not make any difference other than it may be noisier, but we'll see. So, uh, when we're told by God, when we're told by Jesus, blessed are the pure in heart, maybe we think, oh, not done anything naughty yet today, uh, or we might think of, is it how pure is it? Is it solid? Is it 100% the thing that it is? Um, and Jesus says he wants the Father wants our hearts like that. Why? Because then we are most like God himself. If we were asked what's the most important truth about God, according to Jesus when he was asked that, uh, he answered with uh, Deuteronomy 6 verse 4. Shema Yisrael, hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. God is entirely whole. He's always fully God, all of the time. He never regrets being God. He loves being God. And that's the most important thing. So we are monotheistic. We believe there is only one true God. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God. Now, the Bible says we are made in His image. We are made to be like God. And just as God is always fully himself, we are called to be fully the people we are meant to be. Fully, perfectly, entirely us. And so in one way, sinfulness isn't just the little outworking of what we get up to or fail to do. It's when we become disintegrated. An integer is a whole number, and we disintegrate. We get unwhole. We become divided, we become split, and we become double-minded. So that's a different way of thinking about sinfulness or brokenness. How are we healed? By loving the Lord our God with all of our heart, with all of our soul, with all our strength. And the more we gaze at God and His perfect unity, it has a good effect on us, healing and making us whole, so we are less disintegrated. 
So it's wholehearted love of God. At Christmas, we sometimes sing in the bleak midwinter. And I didn't really like it as a child because in Guernsey, we almost never have snow, let alone snow on snow. Um, But it was also slightly soppy because the last verse asks, what can I give him, poor as I am? If I were a shepherd, I would give a... Oh, you know it. If I were a wise man, I would do my part. That's poor rhyming, I think, from Christine Rosetti. Bringing gold, frankincense, and myrrh doesn't quite scan, though, does it? Yet what I can, I give him, give my... And I just thought, it's so soppy, isn't it? Giving your heart. What does it mean? But it means this, giving God all. So it's just a a synonym. Giving your heart means giving everything that you have, your entirety, heart, soul, strength, every part of your being. We are one one person like God. We're an essential unity. And it's all meant to be offered fully and unreservedly to God. Um, Isaac Watts, who wrote the great hymn, When I Survey the Wondrous Cross on Which the Prince of Glory Died, and that final verse, uh, you know, what could I give him? It's a similar sort of question. Love so amazing, so divine, demands my soul, my life, my all. It's just the same or different language for the same thing, of giving God everything, rather than being split, of giving him little bits and pieces that we think we can afford or aren't too costly. So it's not about our warm feelings when we give God our heart, but giving the entirety. Now, Jesus, as an observant Jew, knew that, and all his hearers knew it, though we may not be quite so familiar So when Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart, it's talking about this life of devotional giving to God. Blessed are those who give to God unreservedly all they have. There is, of course, a moral side to it, how we behave, trying by God's grace to live a clean life. And I'm sure when he mentioned this, when Jesus preached on this, he also had in mind another psalm, Psalm 24, which is a psalm of David. Who can ascend the hill of the Lord? Who may stand in his holy place? The one with clean hands and pure heart. So here's the scenario. We're walking up the temple mount towards uh, the temple to, to meet, to see God. Who can see God? Who can ascend the mountain of the Lord? And here's the criteria, clean hands and a pure heart, a pure and undivided heart. So these are the people who will see God. It's a bit like, for Christians, the equivalent of baptism. So recently we've had people baptized, which has been really exciting. And they're asked serious questions about giving themselves to God, turning from and turning to. And in the sacrament of baptism, a sacrament, an outward and visible sign of an inward and spiritual grace. So there's two parts. There's the outward part, washing. And it's a picture of being made clean, having clean hands. But also, it doesn't really mean too much if it isn't also accompanied by understanding and responding to God on the inside, 
having a pure heart, understanding forgiveness. We're put right with God the Father through all that Jesus has done in his life, death, and resurrection, inward and outward. And it, what popped into my head, uh, and it may not be a good connection, but it did pop into my head, so I'm sharing it. Job was a guy who suffered more than most people, and he had tried to leave, lead a clean, a good life, And then it had all gone wrong. His children died. His business was destroyed. And then his health is ruined. And he tries to sort of argue with God. Why has this happened? Because I'm trying to do the the right thing. And as an example of how he's tried to do the right thing, he's, oh, well, that's another nice picture, but I'll move on. Job says in chapter 31, verse 1, I made a covenant with my eyes not to look at lustfully at a young woman. So he's trying to say, this is an example of a clean life. He makes a choice where he looks and his behavior. I think some people could benefit from that verse. You know, I, I, we all see things... And then there's the choice, what do we do next? And sin enters in if we choose to linger. And so he said, no, I I was trying to live a clean life. I made a covenant. I made a serious decision. Now, as an example, I know quite a few uh, young men who've made a decision not to take their um, smartphones into the bedroom. They leave it downstairs to avoid temptation. I just mentioned it. I happen to come across quite a few people who've done that. So they're saying, actually, a clean life is the sum of all those decisions, lots of micro decisions through a, de- through a day, adding up to trying to put God first, and so I will behave in the light of that. That's only one example. Living a clean life. So Psalm 24, a psalm of David What do we see in David's life? We read he was chosen by God because, as Samuel noticed, the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart. Saul was the king, and God got tired of Saul, said, this isn't working out as I'd hoped. I'm choosing someone else, and it's going to be young David. And it's because of his heart So, does this mean David was consistently clean living? (laughs) No. If you've read the book, you'll know he really isn't. Absolutely not. Quite often, David has neither clean hands nor a pure heart. But it's pure in the sense of undivided. When he worships God, it's with all his being. Quite a lot of the Psalms talk about that. With my whole heart, I will praise you. And then when he sins, he does it with his whole heart. I mean, he's completely terrible. You know, he doesn't hold back on his sinning. And then when he repents, as we heard in Psalm 51, is with his whole heart, he turns back to God. And... He's restored completely. So Psalm 51, one of those verses, 
Create in me a pure heart. Do you hear it differently? It's not just individual sins, but I've become split. I was going in this direction, and now I've wavered and gone over here. And he'd seen what happened to Saul, and he doesn't want it happening to him. Create in me a pure heart, O God, and renew a steadfast spirit in me. Because he doesn't just want forgiveness. He wants to be able to ascend the hill of the Lord and stand in his holy place. He wants to see God, and he knows he can't do it when he's a divided life. And that's why our strap line as a church is life with God wholehearted life with God. That's what we're aiming for. Jesus had a brother, one of them called James, who wrote a letter in the New Testament, and he writes this, come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners, and purify your hearts, you double-minded. Do you see the connection? It's between purity and What's going on up here? Double-mindedness, splitting, mixture, a pure heart. Create in me a clean heart, O oh God. Thank you for your good wishes to Sue and I. Two weeks ago, um, we were in Northern Ireland in Derry, and uh, I had the great joy of conducting Ben's wedding to Hannah. They met at uni, and uh, she's from Northern Ireland, and her dad... Uh, is a minister there, the Bishop of Derry. And so I was leading in her dad's cathedral, but he preached a blinder of a sermon, actually, which was very nice. Um, and one verse he... Uh, I mean, it was a bit hard for them because we were both sort of giving them both barrels, but um, in a loving way, obviously. Um, but one verse that uh, Andrew referred to in the sermon, of, uh, encouraging, exhorting them how to live in their future life, and they're just at the moment flying back from Bali, so I'm hoping it's going well so far. Um, but he referred to a, a verse in Joshua. The people have sometimes followed God, and sometimes they've followed the Baals, which is just a, a word for another lord of an area, one of the other gods or deities. And Joshua says, God and I are all fed up with this. Please make a decision. Choose for yourselves this day whom you will serve, whether the gods your ancestors served beyond the Euphrates or the gods of the Amorites in whose land you're living. But as for me and my household, we will serve the Lord. And I see how Andrew has done that. I know that's what my intention has been uh, in my household, to try and do that. And Andrew just gave them a prod. Will you make that a goal? to have a pure heart, to be an undivided heart, to serve the Lord. Uh, that's, so that's my prayer for myself this Father's Day, to have an undivided heart, a pure heart, because blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Because God longs for us to be close to Him, and He doesn't want one day a week, whether it's a Saturday, Shabbat, or a Sunday, the Lord's Day. He wants it all turns out. And he won't settle for being amongst others of our leisure options. He wants it all. Of course, it's a pretty good deal because we get all of him. And it's a, such a good deal for me because I've got almost nothing to offer him. 
that is only worth at all, and yet he says, I can have all of him. It's such a good deal. And it's free and costs absolutely everything. <laughs> That's why it's a paradox. Are, are you double-minded? And if you say, I'm not sure, you, you are. <laughs> I find it hard not to be. We can flip-flop around. Or are we pure in heart? The promise, it's not an accusation, it's a hopeful promise. Blessed, happy, lucky. You've, you've, it's just the best thing to be. Blessed are the pure the solid, the unmixed in heart, for they ascend the hill of the Lord. They've chosen to have clean hands and pure hearts, and they get to be with God. Well, that's what I think. I wonder how you want to respond to God's Word. Um, I've asked Sarah if she'll just lead us now, maybe silence or maybe a response, but... Um, Let's just be still, and Sarah, thank you.